We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? The best question any tech alum or fan can ask. Speaking of that, this is the podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. You guys are the alum and fans listening. We thank you for that. My name is Steven. I am the alum. His name is Joshua. He is the fan. Joshua, I will start the program the way I always do by asking you, what's the good word? It's to hell with Georgia. Uh, yeah matter of fact let's get down to it we got a lot to cover so we're not going to waste time just like harrison butker just like harrison butker i step up to the line calm cool and collected and do the job that's asked of me speaking of that this is episode number 26 i have been kind of giving numbers of tech athletes who wore number uh certain numbers of the episode show if you want to put in who wore number 26 let me know but i wanted to say instead what joshua just gave tech alum harrison butker kicks the game winning field goal in both the afc championship game and the super bowl to win his second super bowl ring with the kansas city chiefs harrison butker Author of that great 53 or 54 yard, do you remember? 50, 53, I believe. 53 yard field goal. If I'm wrong, it's 52. Joshua, this was one of your first big tech fan memories when he kicked that. That's the, so that was the first year that I really truly paid attention in terms of like understanding what was happening. I mean, I I vaguely remember Tevin Washington. I vaguely remember like Vad Lee, but I wasn't exactly, you know, the the biggest fan but 2014 was kind of the year that that got me into it and so i got to watch harrison butker sneak it over the uprights that year uh and I, I i distinctly remember that and then the dj white interception in the red zone got to uh got to meet harrison butker's mom at the orange bowl <laughs> super nice lady so shout out to the butker family shout out to harrison we sir salute you we'll ignore the missed field goal earlier in the game And we will use that news to go into the first little bit of news. Joshua, you have recruiting slash coaching. I think it's coaching staff news. It's just coaching. So recruiting the football team. Recruiting is relatively done. Uh, It's it's the deader period where a lot of the stuff coming in is priority walk-ons. We'll have some stuff trickle in here and there. But uh, Georgia Tech was – they had set up their coaching staff. They're all ready to go. But then Jason Seymour got an offer that he just – he couldn't refuse – he is now going to be the Marshall defensive coordinator this upcoming season. So that left Georgia Tech without a special teams coach. Brent Key moved very quickly, and he got a very decorated, experienced coach, and that is Ricky Brumfield. So he drew, uh, sorry, Brent Key snapped him up from his post over at FIU, uh, where he's also the associate, associate head coach, but. Brumfield has been doing special teams coordinating since 2001, where he started at Union College. He's also coached special teams at Fairmont State, Nichols State, Western Kentucky, UTSA, 
and Virginia, as well as the aforementioned FIU. So he's been the special teams coordinator for, you know, 22 years this uh, at this upcoming season. He knows who he is and he knows what he's good at. Perhaps we got a special teams savant. Uh, yes. Could not well, have gotten much worse than it was at its lowest point last year. So perhaps he can turn the corner quickly and give us some special team success. Well, FIU was tied for 19th in the country last season in blocked kicks, and they only allowed one blocked punt. So that that is music to our ears. We got we got a top 20 result special teams coach. Well done. Hey, we want to remind every want to remind everybody that what's the good word? We do two parts to the show. We give you as much news as we can in the first part. We do a little bit more in depth in the second part. Joshua, normally at this point in the year, we would follow football news with uh, basketball news. Tell everybody why we're not going to give the men's results right away. Well, because frankly, the men's team has been better in the last week, week and a half. So we're going to do a chunk sort of using the last two games as an example of how they've improved and what we hope to see for the rest of the season and potentially next season uh, as our longer in-depth discussion. Fantastic. So we'll get back to the news here and get through it relatively quickly. A lot of what we found is on ramblinrec.com. Would encourage you to do that. We also check out other websites 24-7, The Athletic, Bleacher Report, other providers, CBS Sports. Uh, We want to give them all shout-outs. They do a good job of all college athletics. We care about Georgia Tech, so we're going to cover that. I would like to announce that the softball team had their first few games over the weekend. They had the they hosted the Buzz Classic. They played four games, went two and two in the Buzz Classic. They lost to UConn in the very first game, then beat UConn in the second game. They also got to defeat St. Francis and unfortunately lost to North Texas. Uh, on top of the Buzz Classic, they were playing as of the day of this recording, and I am happy to announce that their first away game on Valentine's Day, they gave us fans and alum a gift. They defeated Georgia State at Georgia State 10-1. to I believe that was a mercy rule, potentially. Not sure. I'm going to learn the rules as I go here, but Shout out to the Lady Jackets softball team finishing two and two. Continuing with some news, I'm going to quickly share a story that was on Rambling Wreck about the men's tennis team because the men's tennis swept the ACC Weekly Awards from this past week. Marcus McDaniel has been named the ACC Men's Tennis Player of the Week He also, along with his partner, Andre Martin, won ACC Men's Tennis Doubles Team of the Week. Listen to this week, Joshua, and compare his week, their week, with your week. McDaniel is an unranked singles player, and he defeated two top 20 singles players over this last weekend. On Friday, he took down South Carolina's number 12-ranked Connor Thompson, And then he had a doubleheader singles match on Sunday against Georgia and Citadel. And when he played Georgia, he played their number eight ranked Philip Henning and beat him in two straight sets. 
and then also won his match against the Citadel. Later, or, or also as part of the week, Martin and McDaniel, who are, by the way, the number 60 ranked team, they went 2-0 and this past weekend. They defeated, uh, against South Carolina, they defeated Connor Thompson and Toby Samuel, who I believe they are ranked in the top five in doubles pairs. And then against Georgia, they just defeated the number 24 ranked Ethan Quinn and Trent Bride. I don't really care how to say his last name because he's from Georgia. So men's tennis mopping the floor with Georgia a little bit. At least these two guys did. So shout out, kudos to them. Absolutely. Well, I got a small piece of news. Or not small piece of news. It's big news. We're going to move on to uh, the women's team we've covered here and there. Um Better than the men's team, but not by much. Uh, they had two games this past week, and unfortunately, they ended up dropping both. So their first game was at Clemson. Uh, they unfortunately dropped it 57-41. to 41. Not a great shooting night for the Jackets. They shot 16 of 54 from the field. Only one, star, one player in general ended up in double figures, and that was Cameron Swartz, who also had five steals and two blocks. She did shoot six of 17 from the field. So there's, you know, good comes with the bad, but overall it's not a great game against Clemson. Uh, They did fare a little bit better in their next game against Pitt where they went to overtime and they were able to, but they unfortunately lost 85 to 79. Uh, Pitt was actually worse than Georgia Tech coming into this game. Pitt was sitting at nine and 16. This game dropped the Jackets to 12 and 13, three and 11 in the conference uh, they had 20 points from Kara Dunn, who did it on a great shooting night of 8 of 15, while also adding six rebounds and one steal or one block. Uh, Cameron Swartz also had 11, while Tony Morgan had 12, but just, just was not enough as Pitt had five players in double figures and shot 10 of 20 from three, which is pretty good. Pretty good. I'll take it. I said, I, I wish we shot 50%. I wish we shot so 10 of 20 from three. We shot seven of 28. So Eight. definitely stark. So all the tech alum and a lot of the fans are going, hmm, 50% versus 25%. Hmm, that is not good. When they shoot no. twice as well from percentage wise, probably going to be tough to win that game. One last piece, bit of news before we get into the basketball news and discussion for the second half of our show. Quick little pro jackets golf report. I found this on ramblingrec.com. Since we started with a yellow jacket professional player in Harrison Butker, let's continue this time talking about some golf news. First off, the Phoenix Open, the Waste Management Phoenix Phoenix Open, or WM Phoenix Open, one of the more popular golf tournaments that's not one of the majors, largely because of the rowdy crowd, the Coliseum and the 16th par three. Chesson Hadley uh, had one of his best finishes as a pro, finished tied for 23rd. His previous high had been tied for 17th, so made it to made the cut, finished 23rd. Good for him. I'll get back to the Phoenix Open in a second because there was something kind of interesting and funny that I wanted to bring up. Before I do that, I do want to shout out Andy Ogletree. We mentioned him in a past show. He is playing on the Asian Tour, and he 
got his second top 10 finish on the Asian tour, finishing seventh. But what was interesting was he almost withdrew because the night before he got food poisoning. Mm. I believe. game. Yes. So Jordan has his flu game. Ogletree has his food poisoning at the Asian Open event. And what I believe the, the quote was basically spent all night in the bathroom and was really worried, got some treatment Thursday morning, was able to play, ended up finishing in the uh, top 10, finishing seventh. So shout out to Mr. Ogletree. Keep it up. Good luck. Hope you win one of these events. I did want to shout out both Kucher and Sink did play in the WM Phoenix Open. And they didn't, they finished, they they played, but they weren't near the top. But Stuart Sink did get some love. Stuart Sink is a rabid basketball fan, huge Atlanta Hawks fan. And since he was in Phoenix, the day the tournament was starting, there was a NBA trade. Joshua, do you know who got traded to the Phoenix Suns? I believe it was somebody by the name of Kevin Durant. I don't know Kevin if you've heard of him. Durant, you say? Yes. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes. So Stewart, being a huge Hawks fan, said, I was checking the news every couple of hours just to see if the Hawks were going to make a move and what move they made. He said, obviously, I saw the Durant move, and I thought, huh, I'm in Phoenix. Yeah, maybe I should – see if I can find a Durant Suns jersey. He found one, and at the 16th tee, he ha- he was donning the jersey and apparently got a huge ovation from the uh, crowd. And Joshua, in wrestling parlance, what would that be? That's called a cheap pop, Stephen. Uh, the cheapest of cheap pops. But... When it's right there and you're the one willing to do it, you do get to enjoy. It's a pop nonetheless. You, it is a pop. It goes down as a pop. He got the crowd to pop. Kudos to Stuart Sink. Well done, gentlemen. Keep up the good work. And other tech athletics, you can certainly catch them on ramblinrec.com and other sites. But I believe it's time we turn the page and move to the second part of our show. We'll start by giving some of the facts. Joshua, why don't you tell us about the uh, results because the George Tech men's basketball team doubled their ACC win total this last week. We went from one to two over the weekend. Yes. So George Tech was playing in McCamish against Notre Dame, the only team in the ACC um, other than Louisville that is close to as bad as we are. And you'll remember when we played them at Notre Dame, it was a very close game, one that the Jackets probably should have won, but they found a way to just, you know, pissed the game away but uh being back in atlanta apparently helped because georgia tech did take the win 70 to 68 uh interesting tidbits uh lance terry had 19 points on 40 minutes of game time so he really didn't come out of the game uh you also had 12 points from kyle sturdivant 16 from javon franklin javon franklin continuing to put up the beautiful stat lines that he does of 16 points nine rebounds three assists one block and a steal while Davon Smith had eight points, nine rebounds, and seven assists, almost had a triple double off the bench. Uh, then the other game was Wake Forest um, whoa, whoa, on Saturday. Whoa, 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 whoa! Let me interrupt you because we won with the fantastic Lance Terry putback, right? Yes. Let's let's shout out Lance. Yes, on a on a bad shot from Kyle Sturdivant, but a great play. 
my crashing at crashing from the top of the key go hitting the boards hard got a nice little tip in we win the game all right continue my apologies no you're good so against wake forest georgia tech was at wake and they almost pulled out the win 71 to 70 incredibly close game one of those things you can nitpick all you want the fact of the matter is there was some uh, questionable officiating down the stretch davon smith did bowl a guy over on a layup but javon was it javon somebody was held in the paint and they couldn't get to the shot that they wanted to or somebody was held and then they fouled tyree appleby on his way so, to the basket and he got free throws so so give me your take as an yeah, unbiased okay. fan oh i'm incredibly biased i'll acknowledge that so we we get the we get the ball with basically 30 point something seconds. So they're going to have to foul. The issue was at that point, the fouls in the second half were 14 to four. So they had called 14 fouls against us. So, so wake is going to have to foul to put us on the line for a one and one so that they can get the ball back at worst down three, but with our foul shooting, maybe they got a shot. They, we missed the front end or whatever. So they foul us immediately. Then we throw to half court. They foul again so they've got it at six, but we have it at half court. We inbound to Sturdivant. They double team. The refs do not call a foul. Now, I will just state that in those situations, refs are hunting fouls because they know what the other team is trying to do. Yes, they set up a double team, but if you watch the replay, I can't believe they didn't call a foul. So Sturdivant kind of tries to go through the double team, gets the ball loose, the Wake Forest player grabs it on the ground, is sliding, gets a timeout with no travel call. I will say I wish a tech fan, a tech player had been heads up enough to go grab the ball because they would call a jump ball and it'd be ours. But instead, they get the timeout. Appleby goes down, gets fouled on a eh kind of call. So they don't call it when Wake is clearly trying to stop the clock. Wake gets the ball. They call a, I, yeah, I guess it could have been a foul, but a lot of times they'll swallow the whistle that late. He gets the, he gets the two free throws. We get to throw the length of the court. Debo throws a beautiful pass length of the court. Javon Franklin is held and wrestled to the ground going for the ball. And they call nothing after what they called all second half against us. They called it very tight. And after that call they gave to to Appleby, for them to not call that is uh, is absolutely ridiculous. There you go. That's my bias take. Cool. Let me let me get the let me get the stats out of the way because Javon Franklin once again, um, fourteen points, fifteen rebounds on six of eleven shooting with two steals on top of that. Only other guy to score in double figures for the game was Davon Smith at fifteen off the bench again. So very interesting. The Tech. Only had two guys in double figures that reached 70 points, which is a mark that they have not reached a lot this season. Uh, nine points from Miles Kelly, eight from Lance Terry, six from Debo, seven from Kyle, nine from Jalen Moore. And a game that Tech could have had, almost had, probably should have had, but they were in the game. And that's better than they've been in some of these games. Yeah. So, so listen, listeners to this show have heard us talk about the team early in the season and talk for what we were hoping for. Listeners to this show have also heard us 
be in a lot of pain as our listeners are watching this team lose nine straight in the ACC. I would say after the Louisville win, you were, you know, you were ready to serve up coach Passner on a platter. We, you know, pack it in. This team is never, they're, they're getting worse. They're regressing. Something has changed in the last three games. The NC State game and the Wake Forest game, both were on the road, both against teams that at the time were in the top third of the league. And arguably the NC State game with, with three minutes left, we were right there. I believe we had a lead with four minutes left. We were toe-to-toe with them. We had we had our bad run at the end, and really just our shots stopped dropping and we just too many turnovers and things like that. So so that game got away from us. We beat Notre Dame, played a decent game. We're getting to 70. We're getting close to 70. We're scoring better. We're kind of seeing how this team is at least passable, at least improving, or at least playing okay, rather than as bad as they were playing in the midst of that nine-game losing streak. Yes. Well, I can tell you what's changed. And something that I was calling for early in the season. You you get credit for this. Just started playing four guards and Javon Franklin. Yes. You give up size, but it really doesn't matter because as I just told you guys in the stat line, Javon Franklin can get 15 boards pretty pretty easily. I mean, he scraps every possession. So having four ball handlers, having four guys who can score, having four guys who are also willing to play some defense has really helped because part of it is the less that you play Rodney, the better because Rodney just doesn't really contribute anything to a basketball team. And I hate to say it because I'm sure he's a nice guy off the court. He doesn't deserve to be you know hated, but the fact of the matter is if you're talking about this from a pure basketball standpoint, he does nothing to help you win basketball games. And not only that, you've started to see really the only guy off the bench playing big minutes right now is Davon Smith. He's Passner's more or less shortened his rotation. You know, Tristan Correct. Maxwell Gets in every now and then, but he's really only kind of there for foul trouble. Uh, Jalen Moore has fallen a little bit out of the rotation, which I don't love, but I also get because he doesn't, he's not the greatest defender. And on offense, he is a little too, he's too much, he has the blinders on too often. There's way too many times where he gets the ball and that's, that's the end of the possession. Whatever happens with his shot and drive is going to be the end of it. He played 21 minutes against Wake. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, He's in the rotation, but he kind of like he comes in and out because also against Notre Dame, he only played like nine. So so I think the Notre Dame game, I think Josh did his thing where his second half team, the team that was out there at the second half got hot and he just rode them because because he'll he'll do that at times. I think I'm with you. So so you have been calling for this. And what I wonder is, was Javon Franklin and Lance Terry more hurt? than we were led to believe uh, they were playing or they were around, but they weren't playing a lot. I, I just wonder if there was something nagging with Javon. And, and well, I just wonder how much of it was Josh is a bit of a traditionalist and he didn't want to give up the seven footer. I don't think he's, so. he's always had one. I don't think so. He Okay. So we, there are people listening and they, and I've seen the people online who think Josh Passner's an idiot. He's not an idiot. I, I if, in my opinion, Josh has been coaching his butt off with this team. He is more emotional. He is so invested with these guys. 
Right. And, and I think he's been trying everything he can. I think, again, I think Javon was more hurt than was originally let on. I do think Josh is loyal to Rodney and maybe, you know, hoping, waiting. I, I think Rodney plays more when we play bigger teams, but I think, I think we, there was a point where I think Josh said, what is, I got to find what's going to give us the best chance to score and stay in games and it's the it's that five and then Davon coming off the bench but playing a ton of minutes he's like a sixth starter and you just rotate uh he's really gone back to what he's done the other six seasons he's really gone back to seven players yeah and what's interesting is the uh two sophomores that are still starting in kelly and debo uh the last two games debo's only played 20 minutes Right. Kelly played 21 against Notre Dame and then 34 against Wake. So he's still he's still kind of he's in the rotation because you kind of have to keep him there as your best shooter. But Debo has been it's become more of a, a platoon, more or less, or a, he, he's his leash has been shortened a little bit. It looks like I think so. I, I, I the so the star of this team was going to be the team. And I think the team has shrunk down to, you know, seven or eight guys, kind of a feeling, kind of a gut who's running well. And he's trying to he's trying to find a hot hand each game and write them. I think that. But the other thing that I've noticed, they are running and running and any chance they can get to run because of the team they're running out there. They're trying to run as much as they can. And if you're, if your half court offense sucks, that's the best way to score points. And, and the half court offense, I believe is, has found a little bit of a stride again, Javon running the five gives them a lob. They, they ran a lob play against Wake Forest. I was like, when was the last time I saw a lob backdoor cut from the screen from the, Rodney can barely dunk. Rodney can can barely dunk. So it's harder to throw lobs to him. Correct. Javon running that high post has given them a little more option. And he's the other thing he's given them is, and it was against Wake, I can remember, and Notre Dame, they each had a post player that when they, when that guy was in the game, Javon was going right to the block and going, give me the ball. Because if he knows he can take somebody, he's got that talent to do that i mean that's the one thing rodney doesn't do at all he has no post he has one post move the little half hook shot and that's it he never looks for it so we've gotten a we've gotten some scoring out of the five and they're they're getting a lot more open shots and it looks like the drought hopefully is over we'll see but there's no question this team is is playing better they are who they are I'm hoping maybe we can double one more time and get two more wins. We do have Boston College and Louisville on the on the schedule, and we're going to play Virginia Tech at home this week. Virginia Tech's a decent team, but I think they're kind of up and down. It depends who you get. Maybe we can, between Virginia Tech and Syracuse. We also have that Florida Tech tune-up game right. uh, this Saturday. So right. well, there's a chance. I don't know. Josh is probably going to have to – He's going to have to do something to I, – I, it's going to be interesting. The, the big conversation around the program for these next few games and then the offseason is going to be, will Passner be served as walking papers? And I've said that I think it – I wouldn't – I've said that I wouldn't mind if he was fired. 
I don't want to like say I, he has to be gone, you know, for the sanctity of the program, he has to go. I'm not going to be one of those guys because if they bring him back, I'll understand why. If they bring him back, it's going to show just how much value Jay Bat is putting in that ACC championship that Pastner won two years ago. Well, it's either that if they keep him, and I believe they will. That I, I believe they will, and I'll say why. I would say the reason they will keep him, in my opinion, is I don't think they can afford to pay off two contracts in one year. There is that too. Yeah. Especially with how big Collins's buyout was. Yep. So I think just for that reason and no other reason, they'll keep him. You add to that a few other things. Josh Pastner is one of the most above board guys there is. He does have a good recruit already for next year. The three of his main, he's got four solid main players in the three sophomores and Davon who are all returning. So you bring in a top recruit, you have four of your top scorers. Who knows what Kirill and Fred Pauls could turn into in year two. Uh, But you also have, uh, you know, can Mecca find some kind of magic elixir and can, jo- and can Josh bring in a couple more transfers? So I would bet money on Mecca transferring just because be. he be. hasn't played it. I don't even know if he's been healthy or not, but he just hasn't played. So if just to get a change of scenery, the best part about modern day college basketball is that if the administration tells them, listen, we need to see something or you're gone, Josh can hit the transfer portal, promise the guys playing time and there's a chance that it it turns around relatively quickly for at least a decent year now you parlay that into getting some more freshmen in i don't know but i mean josh has shown he's got some kind of an eye for talent i mean he's the one that recruited jose he's the one that recruited moses right like i've seen a few people tell me that josh pastner can't develop talent which respectfully is the dumbest thing i've heard Yep. about him because there is so many examples of him taking guys who were not doing much or were under recruited and turning them into, you know, top notch or at least ACC level starters. Khalid Moore is over at Fordham right now, averaging like 15 and eight. And that was one of Josh's other recruits. He recorded, recruited him. He played a glue guy role in it, the ACC, but the kid can play. And not even just that. I mean, picking up a guy like, you know, Jalen Moore, Miles Kelly, Finding Lance Terry and Javon Franklin in the transfer portal yep. from coming from smaller schools and now they're starting on an ACC team and playing yep. re- reasonably well. I mean, he knows how to recruit talent. I think his issue is he's either too married to the system or sometimes he just doesn't put a team together that fits snugly. The reason that 2021 team worked was that everybody everybody had a role and they were all very good at playing that role. And ever since that team broke up, we haven't found anybody that's played the Jose role. He's never really found anybody. The The uh, biggest issue has been Rodney Howard's been the guy in the middle for the last two years, and he just doesn't help your offense at all. Well, the other thing, and one of our, one of our favorite listeners, friend of the show, has said to me multiple times, and he is absolutely right, this team shows with it's not just that they don't have a great point guard like they had with Jose. They have no point guard. Their, their point guard play has been terrible, except Davon has maybe I, I'm wondering if we will point to this show and this last week 
where Davon Smith started to put it all together. He, he, I know he can be a good player and I know he can be a good passer. It's just the issue becomes he can't shoot. Well, and the, the issue becomes he's inconsistent. That's the issue. Well, but he's shooting better. He's, he elevates over everybody and he's kind of finding that 15 to 17 footer, but he's, he's really been that, like you said, he almost had the triple double. He's such a good rebounder. He, he is, he's kind of that spark and energy, which coming off the bench, but playing 25 to 30 minutes is fantastic. Lance Terry's probably your best perimeter defender. Miles Kelly is arguably your go get a bucket guy, but Davon, I, you know, I, I just, I wonder if he's going to start putting it together, but the point is they have not had point guard play and they have not. And you mentioned the center. That's the other thing yeah. uh, that I've heard and is, is absolutely true. Now I do want to ask uh, one other question, by the way, one of the things I've been thinking is I, I wonder what this team will look like next year with, with blue cane. But I, I did want to, I did want to acknowledge one thing, and and this is important to me. It's going to sound romanticized, and it's probably over the top and and a little uh, soap opera ish. But I would just like to acknowledge that because it was in the news, Georgia Tech hadn't done this bad since 1980-81 when they were last in the ACC and before Bobby arrived, and they only won one ACC game nine in a row. That oh, it's terrible. It's awful. It's horrible. I think it's important to note this team kept playing. I think it's important to note Josh Pastner has not lost this locker room. Yeah. These guys play hard. The wake go find the post-game press conference. And I know in today's sports world, the post-game press conference, the coach always acknowledges the other coach. They always make sure, you know, they they show respect. And well, they should. But the Wake Forest coach, uh um, yeah, uh, what's his name? Dad Gummin, I forgot his name. Uh, I want to say Bloomberg, but that's not it. That's the mayor of New York. Anyway, uh, he acknowledged, he said, he, he kind of said it was a little more than just, hey, that's a good team over there. He acknowledged those guys are playing their butts off. And he said, Josh is is coaching his butt off. He's, he's coaching like crazy. He said, those guys are playing hard and they are not giving up on this season no matter where they stand. And he said, that's a team, they play like that. Nobody's going to want to play them. And I saw some threads in the community comments during the game where Wake Forest fans were like, oh, we're asleep, oh, we're not playing. And there were a couple that were like, hey, hats off to Georgia Tech. They, they're, they're, they came to play, and maybe we didn't, or maybe they're just playing really well. Yeah, so I, I, I just want to acknowledge that. He has not lost this team. Absolutely. And I, some of it might just be there's an aspect of a younger team with – you know, seniors that are, you know, with, with it's a younger team figuring out how to play night in and night out. So if Josh can keep the band together and it makes some additions and fortify some holes, this could be a decent team next year. There's at least an outline there. I do think the six, six players that are playing the most minutes, seven players that are playing the most minutes, Obviously, Javon and Lance are done. They're seniors. But those other those other five, I I really don't well, think we'll lose any of them. Sturdivant, I think, may be out of years. Right. Okay. If um, I'm wrong, he's got one. But Sturdivant could be gone. Rodney could be. I, 
the COVID years mess everything up. I'll have to do some digging. My my point is the three top sophomores and Davon. I don't think he's going to lose any of those guys. That's what you hope. That's what you hope. By the way, I would like to correct myself. The Wake Forest men's basketball coach, Steve Forbes. That's why I was thinking Bloomberg. Forbes, it's the other financial magazine. There you go. <laughs> News service. Good so, job. Thanks. I believe we've come to the end of it. I will I will ask the my fan friend any other items to add to the basketball odyssey that has been really like wading through a swamp but we found a, a small glimmer of hope and we're going so to grab onto that to it. yes and and hope that we finish the year strong that i will say this if they find some way to get two more wins in the acc before the tournament they'll only be one win behind last year's team which was very senior driven and had two great players that were going to get to the NBA. Maybe. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe just maybe we'll, we'll be able to find a way to win a game in the ACC tournament. You know, I'm, I'm going to enjoy the way they're playing. I want to root for them. And I just finished the year. Well, just, just play your best, figure out more of who you are and figure out what you do well and just keep doing that. And, and, Javon Franklin, if for no other reason, just so enjoyable to watch that man among boys just out jump everybody in the building. Absolutely. Uh, and he was fouled at the end of that game. Uh, by the way, Josh Pastner, who's never had a, a bad word to say at the postgame press conference, pulled out something he hasn't done in seven years. They asked him about the officiating at the end of the game. And he said, we got a letter from uh, the ACC commissioner that says <clears throat> we need to show respect and, and not say anything, uh, what it what was, it disparaging about the official or officiating. And he repeated that line about five times. Whereas, and that's, and that's him saying, I don't want to disrespect the office. I respect our commissioner. I'm going to abide by that. And he just kept saying that, which is basically Josh Bessner's way of saying that was a horribly officiated game. The fouls were five to five at the end of the first half. They ended up nineteen to uh, nineteen to to uh, nine or ten or wait five five, and it was twenty to uh, twenty to to twelve or twenty to eleven or something like that. Twenty to eleven, yeah. It was it was ridiculous. They they out they fifteen to six, and they got to six because they fouled us twice under uh, with the last thirty seconds. So it's really. It was really 14 to four. I mean, it was just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So, so by the way, Javon Franklin had the post-game press conference and he goes, oh yeah, I was fouled. I was absolutely held. I couldn't move my left arm. So shout out to him. He's a, he's a 60 year senior. He's like, you know, whatever, I'm out of here. Yeah. So, all right. So uh, I will say Joshua, as always, it's a pleasure talking tech athletics with you. If fans of the show want to enter in the conversation, maybe get a cheap pop from the two hosts, what should they do? Uh, they should just email me at joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. Uh, Julian is spelled J-U-L-I-A-N, so make sure you spell that right so we don't want anybody getting random emails. So joshuajulian26 at outlook.com. 
and we are not a social media platform. So uh, if you send us an email and we would love to hear from you, what do you want us to talk about? What would you add to any of our conversation? What are your thoughts? We will certainly give you credit and tell you, uh, shout you out on the show, especially if you want to add to the conversation, say something we're not saying. And we would appreciate any comments. And by the way, we are growing. This is a passion project for us. We love Georgia Tech Athletics. And we are doing this show for Georgia Tech alum and family. If you know anybody in your life, a friend, an acquaintance, who is one of the martyrs, who is part of the many are called but few are chosen to follow this great institution, then let them know. And you can let them know the code by asking them, the one great question we all know the answer to. What is the good word? <laughs>